Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode. It is a Monday episode, number 1,316. If you're listening today, it is uploaded. It is a July 24th. Right next to me, the person who's really happy it is a Monday. Janet, I got one name. Janet. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Everybody, 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 everybody. <laughs> Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. You weigh 163 pounds. You are a very stupid fellow and not likely to succeed. Uh, that's so true. And next to me is a person who's really happy it is Monday. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And how are you on this Monday? It's very early. I mean, maybe it's too early to judge a Monday on you because it is pre-sunrise. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. All right. And, and you recovered for the, well, you've recovered from the fun weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Riley and Kimmy Show stopped by the Halifax Humane Society's thrift store in Ormond Beach. Uh, we we dropped off a bunch of stuff from our Batmobile. That's right. Uh, Kimmy was very busy uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, uh, loading up the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kimmy's not like I am. I just throw things into a box and just go. She she makes them nice and order and. Like the books and the CDs and the video games were all alphabetical. DVDs. Yes. Probably about 100 of them. Oh, yeah. She dropped off a lot of things, and that's all to help the Halifax Humane Society. And the Riley and Kimmy Show will be part of the the Halifax Humane Society Thrift Store's anniversary adoption event, which is happening on August 12th. If you are in Central Florida, please stop on by. Possibly adopt a fur kid or maybe uh, help out. The thrift store. Your purchase does help out. It helps out the animals. Or if you have something to donate prior to this event, or maybe right up to the day of the event, please do. That's All. right. There's a lot of ways to help. That's right. And you can find a link to them. Actually, probably the best way is right through their uh, Facebook page. That's the Halifax Humane Society Thrift Store. We have a link right on our website. Find that right on our links. It'll take you right there. And a big thank you going out to Maggie Evans, the store manager, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy Show to this big event. Thank you, Maggie. And by the way, check out the Riley and Kimmy Show's event page to find out the other places we will be taking it to the streets. That's right. You can find out more where we will be in 2017 and going into 2018. Or if you'd like to add to that list, if you have a pop culture event or an animal event, we have a show specifically just designed right for animals and pets, and that is Animal Special. We are available for those events and also to promote those events. You can contact us right on our event page. What is our well, event page website address, Kimmy? Rileyandkimmy.com. Rileyandkimmy.com. <laughs> The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is a question on a Monday. Is Kimmy alert enough, friendly enough? Does she want to play nerd and pop culture trivia? That is the big question. Kimmy, are you able and willing to play today? Yes, I'm ready. For those who are 
joining us for the very first time. Thank you for checking out the Riley and Kimmy Show. I hope it is uh, a regular thing. Matter of fact, you can check us out any day. We have a brand new episode available every single day. It all revolves around the world of pop culture. Tell your friends you found a place that offers daily escapism, pop culture-wise. A place to, well, have a good time for a little bit. That's what we offer here. No controversy. Correct, Kimmy? No controversy. (laughs) That's correct. Although we might talk about somebody who has caused controversy in the past, you know, retro and nostalgia-wise, on occasion. That happens with things like trivia that we have here. You can help out Kimmy get the trivia answers right. That's right. We believe uh, in time travel answers. You are in our future. We are in your past. We can communicate. Yell the answers to whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy Show playing on. That's right, whatever it is. Because we are mobile, we are global. So yell at that laptop, desktop, tablet, smartphone, or smartwatch, or computer, or uh, you know whatever it is, a uh, robot, Android, or car, or eyeglasses, or maybe you have something implanted in your arm way in the future. It, it could be maybe you're holding your hand up to your ear, or you got an implant in your head and you're picking up something off, uh, you know, streaming. <laughs> That's all possible. Could be. There was an episode of, I believe it was the Outer Limits reboot, Kimmy, and it was like called Stream, where everybody was wired in. Mm. Everybody. And then what happened, there was one person who couldn't be wired in because of a birth defect. He read books. And the stream went down, and everybody was hosed, and they had to go to him, and he became the smartest person around. Hmm. Kind of a weird thing. And if we're talking to that person right now, hey there. <laughs> okay. And you can help Kimmy out with trivia today. Here we go, Kimmy. One of the very first questions we have. By, oh, I forgot something. Uh, the timeline has been adjusted. It's not in chronological or linear order, meaning it is all over the place. First question we have for you, Kimmy, is food related. It is breakfast related, although it could be any time of day. It was on this date in history that instant coffee is invented. Now, we're looking for the decade. While you think about that, we have a little rewind coffee-wise. I've got news for you about Borden's instant coffee. 33% less flavor in the spoon, more flavor in the cup, more flavor to your day. Borden's gives more flavor, flavor to your test. Try new Borden's coffee. There's your little rewind moment. Give you a chance to think about the decade. Kimmy, was it the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s when coffee, instant coffee that is, was invented. The 50s? It was the 1930s, 1938, same time period as Superman makes his appearance. Hmm. Instant coffee. I bet it tasted horrible, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I personally don't like coffee as it is. I so, don't either. Yeah. No, not, not a coffee. But like the way it smells. Mm-hmm. Made it before just to smell it hmm. and to give it to somebody else, of course. So here, drink this. I, I don't like it. It was on this date, 1974, the movie Death Wish, based on the novel by Brian Garfield, directed by Michael Winner, is released in the United States. The question is, who is the star of Death Wish? Who plays the person who goes out and plays vigilante, basically? Who is it? Oh, um... And he did Death Wish probably up to five, I think it was. I can see him. What are his initials? CB made his uh, one of his first appearances. Charles Bronson. Yeah, one of his first appearances was in the House of Wax. He didn't speak way back with uh, Vincent Price. You're correct, 1974. Charles Bronson, Death Wish, is released. Have you ever seen those movies? 
Uh, no, I haven't. All right. The year is 1933. The first broadcast of Romance of Helen Trent was heard on radio. It was popular. 7,222 episodes were aired. We will not be airing an episode of that. It is a very sappy soap opera. Hmm. But it would influence television in the years to come. The year is 1956. This comedy duo splits up. They ended the partnership after a decade. They began on July 25th, 1946. And they break up in 1956. It's Jerry Lewis's partner that walks away. What's his name? Dean Martin. That's correct. Actually, they, they split. Each one does. But uh, Martin and Lewis split up on this date, 1956. The year is 1958. Ted Williams. Do you know what he is known for, Kimmy? Baseball. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's also known for spitting. In 1958, Ted Williams is fined $250 for spitting at Boston Fans. And it wasn't the first time. Mm. Yeah, 250 bucks, 1958. The, don't get any ideas, Kimmy. I'm teasing. Kimmy, I'd be the one more apt to do that, not, not Kimmy. I'm, I'm the cave person. Okay, moving over to something else. See if you can identify the year. The year has to be exact, Kimmy. You cannot miss it. No plus or minus in any way. The Apollo 11 astronauts splashed down safely in the Pacific Ocean. Give me the year. 1969. Name. Two of the three Apollo astronauts. I can name all three. Let's go. Neil Armstrong. You got it. Buzz Aldrin. Yes. Mike Collins. Yes. Kimmy gets all three. Congratulations there. You know, I think it's a sad thing. Uh, this is a personal opinion thing that there is no national holiday for marking the landing on the moon. There's nothing. There's oh, the, yeah. The, there should I, be. I, yes, I do. I think there should be. I mean, that is, some say, the greatest accomplishment technological wise or of mankind where everybody mm -hmm. pulled together for something we were operating 150 years into the future some say and yet the day passed of the moon landing and really you didn't hear anything about it very minor mm -hmm. uh, i was just like eh, you know hardly anything correct right i find that sad yeah moving back to trivia the year is 1974 the united states supreme court unanimously ruled that this president had to turn over subpoenaed White House tape recordings. Who is the president? Richard Nixon. That's right. The year is 1976. This song is re-released. This is rare. A record company, usually, they don't re-release material. They try it out once. If it doesn't chart very high, it is over for it. But this song, this group, had a second chance. Song was originally released February 9th, 1974, but on this date, 1976, they gave this song one more chance. Kimmy, identify the song. What is the name of the song? She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. Oh, I, oh, I, I better learn how to face Who, who had that as a hit? Hollow Notes. That's right, Hollow Notes. Now, the first release on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1974, it peaked at number 60, but in 1976, it peaked at number 7 on hmm. the Hot 100. That is a rare thing where they re-release and give something a second chance. Now, things have played out. 
is a change in music taste where the song would become acceptable at the time period. Also, what it was up against in the because a lot of things are released at once and marketing of it, depending on how the record company pushed it at the time period. There's so many variables right there at hand. The year is 1978. This Cincinnati Red ties the National League hitting streak of 37 games. Who is the player? Pete Rose. That's correct. The year is 1978. Billy Martin was fired for the first of how many times as manager of the New York Yankees baseball team? Five. Three times. Three. Yeah, 1976, it was number one. The year is 1985. Walt Disney releases their full-length cartoon called The Black Cauldron. What number full-length cartoon is this being released by Disney? How many? Within two. Fourteen? Yeah, good guess, but number 25 is what The Black Cauldron was. Have you ever seen that film? No, I haven't. The year is 1987. A movie biography of this person opens. Tell me the name of the person the movie is about. Nineteen eighty-seven movie about this person. Uh, what is the name of the person the movie's about? Richie Valens. Richie Valens. He was a star. I love you, Donna. You know I'm still gonna marry you one of these days. With three hits on the charts. Polly is mad enough a plane to fly us on the Fargo tonight. Hey, come on, let's go. But one tragic night in 1959, his star fell. Not Richie. Richie. This summer. It rises again. Columbia Pictures presents La Bamba. The legend of Richie Valens. A true story. La Bamba. Have you ever seen that movie, Kimmy? No, I haven't. All right. It was released 1987. It was 1990, a wrongful death trial involving Judas Priest opened in Reno, Nevada. Parents had charged in a lawsuit that the band's Stained Class album contained subliminal messages that drove two teenagers to attempt suicide. The judge cleared the group. The year is 1995. A three-night celebration of Frank Sinatra's 80th birthday began at Carnegie Hall, the year is 1998. Roy Disney receives a star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. It is Celebrity and Notable Birthday time. This person, born 1897. Identify who she is, Kimmy. She was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Amelia Earhart. Correct. She disappeared in what decade? The 1930s? 1940s, 1950s, or 1960s? 1930s. That's correct. She disappeared July 2nd, 1937. Next person, actress, comedian, known for, well, laughing and other things like love American style. Ruth Buzzy, having a birthday. How old is she within five years? Ooh, she's still with us. She is still with us. You might see her at an upcoming convention near you. Who knows? 92. 
She is 81. Next individual played on a certain sci-fi TV show. That is what he's known for. He did other things too, but he's known for this certain 1960s TV show. Identify the TV show he is famous for. identify that mystery tv show lost in space that's right mark goddard having a birthday today he's 81 he portrayed major don west on the show you remember him don't you kimmy mm-hmm. you know the interesting part is that he kind of got hosed because originally his character and the other adult characters were going to have more of a prominent role but shortly after the show aired it became obvious to the producers that the popular one was the robot Dr. Smith and Will. So that's where the focus went from mm. that point. And the first season's one I love, the black and white years. It has more edge to it. And matter of fact, uh, Dr. Smith is a villain. I mean, a, not just a boob, a bumbling boob, but he is a villain in, in that pilot and the first couple of episodes before they make it more comedy-oriented. Next individual on the birthday list. Can we identify this American actor? Best known for playing the vampire Jerry Dandridge in Fright Night, the original version. And he was a voice of Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Who is he? Oh, I know that. Yes. Who is he, Kimmy? He's appeared in Orlando, Florida at Spooky Empire's conventions in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Can you do it, Kimmy? I can't. It's Chris Sarandon. Sarandon. How old is he today within five years? Um, 63. He is 75 today. Okay. Moving over to another person, comedian, actor, known for a huge comedy series that aired many years ago. Identify who he is. Tell me the TV show first that he's known for, and then tell me who he is, not the character. Tell me who the actor is. It's the Merv Griffin set. Oh, well, a lot of the stars from the 70s, they were not as hygienic as they appeared on TV. There you go. There's your clue. Tell me the name of the TV show, the big one that he is known for. Seinfeld. Yes. He played what character? Kramer. That's right. Cosmo Kramer. And what is his name? Um, can't do it. It's Michael Richards. How old is he today within five years? 68. You got it exactly right. Somebody shout that out to you. Mm, a little time travel maybe. answer. Now, bonus round here, Kimmy. He kind of became known to national audiences on a certain comedy show that aired between 1980 and 1982. Can you identify that TV show? Fridays. Yes, I, I loved him on Fridays. If you remember the scenes where he's playing with toys and stuff, that's his classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wrote some of those episodes, too. Hmm. He was in a little over 50 of those episodes. 
That's Michael Richards having a birthday today. Next person, Kimmy, having a birthday. An American actress, singer, songwriter. Matter of fact, uh, crowned Miss World America in 1972 and known for a certain TV series back in the 1970s. Can you tell me who the actress is that played Diana Prince or Princess Diana? Linda Carter. And what TV show? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. All the world is waiting for you. And the power you possess. In your satin tights. Fighting for your rights. How old is Linda Carter today within five, Kimmy? 65. You get it. She is 66 today. Now, for fun, an extra question. Wonder Woman aired what network first? Before CBS? C- no. It would end up on CBS. What was the first network? You, you got one of two now. ABC. That's right. ABC. That was when it was the World War II era. Then when it went to CBS, it became the modern era Wonder Woman. Aired from 1975 to 1979. You can still catch it on uh, network television. Me TV runs it on Saturday nights. Next person, born in Plant City, Florida. American country music singer-songwriter. Identify who she is with this number one hit. Matter of fact, her only number one hit, although she had many songs chart on the country top 40. Identify who she is. She is the daughter of a famous country singer. Mi Vida Loca was her number one hit, 1994. Can you identify who she is? Pam Tillis. That's right. How old is she today within five? Um, 55. Uh, you get it within five. She is 60. You went to a Pam Tillis concert with me a number of years ago, remember? Mm-hmm. Next individual, singer, actress, having a birthday. Identify her with her first number one single from 1999. Here's your clue. Is that Kimmy? J Lo. That's right. How old is J Lo today within five? Oh. 54? J Lo is 48 today. I see dead people. It is notable death time on this date in history, 1862. Martin Van Buren dies, dies of heart failure at the age of 79. What is he famous for, Kimmy? Being a president. That's right. Eighth United States president. He was president from 1837 to 1841. Next person, 1965, they passed away. That's Constance Bennett. She died at the age of 60. She was an American stage, film, radio, television actress, and business person. She was a major Hollywood star during the 1920s and 1930s. And for a time, during the early 1930s, she was the highest paid actress in Hollywood, as well as one of the most popular. Unfortunately, she's one I think very few know of today next person see if you can identify who it is give me with this clue 
passed away 1980. English actor and comedian died at the age of 54. Known for playing Chief Inspector Clouseau in the original Pink Panther series of films, can you identify who the person is? Peter Sellers. That's right. He passed away on this date in 1980. Next person died 2012 at the age of 74. An American actor and comedian best known for a certain TV show. Here is your clue, Kimmy. Identify the character he is known for, the TV show he's known for, and then tell me, or us, and then tell us his name. Here is your clue. Florence, I'm opening a new office, not a morgue. Is there something you don't like about my cooking? Yeah, eating it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Took me a long time, but I'm finally there. Hey, let's take a look at my ad again. Look at that, Weezy. A whole page. What's the name of the character, Kimmy? George Jefferson. That's right. Now, tell me the name of the TV show. The Jeffersons. And tell me his name. Sherman Hemsley? Whoa! Did somebody help you with that, or did you just uh, happen to pop that out of the old computer bank there? I knew that. Wow, fantastic. Uh, He died at the age of 74 in this date, 2012. Next person passed away 2012. An American actor who appeared in more than 40 films and television series. He's known for a certain show, though, a certain TV series that he was a star on CBS television from 1969 to 1976 and then in syndication. See if you can identify the TV show, Kimmy. He was the star. Maybe you can tell me his name just from the theme. Here is your clue. I just love the keyboards in that. Tell me the name of that TV show. Medical Center. That's right. He was the star. He played Dr. Joe Gannon. Can you tell me the name of the actor? Mm, no, I can't. It's Chad Everett. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He died on this date at the age of 75 in 2012. Now, he did star or actually had a small role in a David Lynch film in 2001. Can you tell me the name of the film? Mulholland Drive. That's right. He played Jimmy Katz. You can catch him in there. It was like a TV movie director thing. Remember that, producer? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's worth checking out, uh, especially if you've never visited the David Lynch film before. It's a little different. It's David Lynch. And moving over uh, to something else happening on this date in history in the world of death, although the word Lynch comes here, it's Peg Lynch who passed away on this date. She died at the age of 98. She was an American writer, actress, and creator of the radio and television sitcom called Ethel and Albert. She was one of the first women to star and also own and write and single-handedly her own comedy series. In total, Lynch wrote nearly 11,000 scripts for radio and television. Wow. Yeah, that, that is a big wow. And I think you did a fantastic job, Kimmy, on a Monday. It's Monday. You are alert. You're facing the day. I think you did a, well, a great job with us. Thank you. Radio Watch Riley and 
Kimmy Show. Right now, we're going to honor something from trivia with a golden age of radio. We talked about Constance Bennett, who passed away on this date at the age of 60 in 1965. We talked about how popular she was back in the 1930s. Now, an example of just how popular. In 1931, a short-lived contract with Metro-Golden-Mayer earned her $300,000 for two movies, which included The Easiest Way and made her one of the highest-paid stars in Hollywood. That is a lot of money in the 1930s. You don't need to compute that for us. Uh, we, we just we'll chuck it up to a lot of money. Now, Warner Brothers paid her an all-time high salary of $30,000 a week for the film Bought in 1931. Her father, Richard Bennett, also was cast in the film. And she was popular on radio, too. She had her own radio program called Constance Bennett Calls on You!, which aired on ABC Radio from 1945 to 1946. We have a couple of examples of her work in the golden age of radio. The first one is called The Awful Truth. It's a well, romance comedy, originally aired in 1941, starring Constance Bennett with Bob Hope and Ralph Bellamy. And it's followed by an episode of her own radio program called Constant Bennett Calls on You. It's from the mid-1940s. These are back-to-back, uninterrupted, and safe for all ages. Going back in time right now to 1941, here's The Awful Truth, starring Constance Bennett on The Riley and Kimmy Show. sunlamp room of a Manhattan athletic club. Hank, the attendant, is busy piling towels on the shelf as a young man in gym trunks makes a hurried entrance. The young man is Jerry Warner. Jerry is tall and usually has a healthy look about him. But just now, his skin is the color of old parchment, and there are two beautiful dark circles beneath his eyes, and they are not from overwork. With a sigh and a groan, he stretches out on the table. Oh... Well, good morning, Mr. Warner. Mm. How are you this morning? Swell, swell, and I do mean my head. How do I look? Well, you look a little, uh, well... Never mind. Just make me look good. Come on, unpack those bags under my eyes. Turn on the sun lamp and give it all she's got. Well, about 15 minutes on each side is all I'd recommend, Mr. Warner. 15 minutes, nothing. I've got to get a deep floor to tan if it takes all afternoon. Give it the juice. Well, okay. Had a boy all aboard from Miami, Palm Beach, and Point South. And Hank, don't forget to turn me over when I'm done. Hiya, Jerry. Hiya, Frank. I heard you were in here. Thought maybe you'd like to play a little squash. Squash. That's all I need is a little squash. I haven't even got the strength to squish. <laughs> hey, you're awfully white-skinned for a guy who just spent two weeks in Florida. How come you didn't get tanned any place? Large smoke glasses. Oh. What do you do down there? Carry a parasol? Or didn't you go? Uh, 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 careful. Don't let an idea like that get around. Oh, I get it. Pulling a fast one on the little wife, huh? Look, Frank, I'm surprised at you. I'm supposed to have been in Florida. Now, suppose one of Lucy's friends say, why isn't he tanned? Lucy's going to be embarrassed. Well, I'm going to be tanned, and Lucy's not going to be embarrassed. And what my wife does, doesn't know won't hurt her. Or me either. Uh-huh. What was it, a poker trip? Sure, a fellow's got to bust out once in a while, assert his independence. Boy, did I assert it. <laughs> you, you certainly look it. But I'll bet you wouldn't like Lucy to pull a stunt like that on you. Why not? A person doesn't have to stop being an individual just because he gets married. Uh, maybe. Anyhow, how about coming over to my house for breakfast? We were all out late last night, and some of the gang are stopping by. I've got a much better idea. Everybody come to my place. Lucy will fix up a swell breakfast for us, and maybe after we can leave the women flat and play some golf. What do you say? I'm convinced. See you later. (laughs) Oh, 
Okay, ladies and gents, come on in. The joint is yours. Jerry, that sunburn. Well, you're positively vermilion. Wait till Lucy sees what Florida did for you. Hey, where is she? Lucy, it's your brown as a berry Jerry. You who Lucy, surprise. You who Lucy. Why, Lucy, how you've changed. Hello, old dog of mine. How you been? Where's Mama? Where is she? Welcome back, Mr. Warner. Well, hello, Celeste. Will you tell Mrs. Warner I'm here? I'm sorry, sir. Mrs. Warner is not at home. She's not at home? Wait a minute, folks. Quiet. Say, where'd she go? Well, I don't know, sir. She said she was going to a music recital. Well, when did she leave? I- I'm not sure, sir. I, th- I think last night. Last night? No one could take that many encores. <laughs> you mean she hasn't been home since... Okay, never mind. Uh, what's the matter, Jerry? No welcoming arms to greet you this trip? Oh, mind your own business, will you? Come to think of it, she probably ran up to her Aunt Patsy's cabin in the mountains. She usually does if she gets lonely. She's got beaver blood in her. Suppose her Aunt Patsy wasn't home. Oh, I get it. Very funny. I'm up to my neck in funny people. No, seriously, I wish Lucy would go out and get some fun for herself now and then. Do her good. That's the trouble with marriage. People are always imagining things, and the next thing you know, they end up in a divorce court. <laughs> the broad-minded man from Miami. Well, if you think you're going to get a chance to prove my broad-mindedness, you're crazy. She's up at Aunt Patsy's cabin, and I'll bet on her. Saying is that a spot? Hello, what? everybody. Hello. Oh, up at Aunt Patsy's cabin, eh? Well, there's Patsy now. Some fun, huh? <laughs> oh, shut up. Hello, Patsy. How did you get here? By invitation, Lucy invited me yesterday on the phone. Say, what is this? Lucy invites me? No, Lucy. Where is she? That, it seems, is a $64 question. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Lucy. Hello. Hey, Lucy. Hello, Jerry. Jenny. Hello, darling. Hello, gee. It's good to see you. Oh, darling, it's grand. You're looking marvelous. Oh, I nearly forgot Amo. Amo, come on in and meet everyone. Amo's the best music teacher a woman ever had, aren't you, Amo? Thank you, my dear. Jerry, you know Amo Laval, of course. Oh, yes. I never forget a toupee. So you teach music, huh? <laughs> yes. I didn't know there was any left. Everybody else, this is Almo. How do you do? How do you do? Well, now that we're all introduced, I can relax. Oh, Almo and I have had the most terrible time, Jenny. I imagine you must have. Where was the recital? Silly, what do you mean? Well, I didn't know they had recitals in the morning and that you went to them in evening clothes. Pretty formal, isn't it? <laughs> Armon does look silly in tails at this time of the day, doesn't he? On the contrary, I think Armon would look natural with a tail any time. <laughs> he had such an awful night. Why, did somebody sing Fennessy? Oh, stop it, darling. You don't know what happened. Almost car broke down a million miles from nowhere. He had to park me at a farmhouse and hike to the nearest town to get them to tow the car, and he had to stay there and hang around garages and things to pick me up in the morning and bring me home. Oh, it was dreadful. We were coming home from a party. You stole that plot from Philadelphia Story. Jerry, <laughs> you understand, don't you? Oh, sure, sure. But just to make sure, I'm going to run upstairs and write a letter to Dorothy Dix. Mr. Warner, you have the continental mind. Sure, that's it. I've got a continental mind. <laughs> oh, Lucy, dear, I'm so sorry. I'll have to run so soon. Oh, stick around. The party hasn't even started yet. We're going to open a bottle of 7 Up. Oh, sure, sure. We know. <laughs> you, uh, you probably want to talk to Lucy. Come on, people. Give you all a hit. Yeah, okay. Well, Mr. Laval, why didn't you let Frank give you a hitch? I wanted to explain. You see, Mr. Warner, the next time I take your wife out, I hope... I hope you buy a new car or else I'll loan you mine. Are you hungry? Why, yes, I am starved. Well, why don't you run out and get some breakfast? A fellow like you should take care of himself sitting in drafty garages all night. Mr. Warner, what have I done? That's what I'm going to find out. Jerry, you... you don't believe that... We'll discuss this in private, please. That is, if Mr. Laval can remember where we keep our door. Very well. Perhaps it is best this way, Lucy. Will I see you soon? Of course. It has all been so perfect. Thank you for everything. 
And, Mr. Warner, I think you must be out of your continental mind. <laughs> that was pretty funny at that. I, uh, I mean what he just said. <laughs> Very funny. I haven't laughed so much since you wore your last hat. Well, <laughs> he's gone. You can speak freely, darling. Well, Lucy, what have you got to say for, for yourself? yourself? Smart, aren't you? Well, I knew you'd say that, and I'm prepared to answer. Armand was invited to the party by a young man whose sister is a pupil of Armand's. Armand invited me to go along. I went because I could think of nothing better to do. Believe it or not, I was lonely. And then the car broke down. Yes, his car is very old. So is a story. I've used it myself. <laughs> uh, before we were married, I mean. <laughs> do you want me to go on? Sure, let's have all the morbid details. I've got a grudge against myself. What happened next? Well, I stayed at the farmhouse. I slept badly because of insufficient blankets. Twice during the night, I sneezed. Now, let me see. Was there anything else? Yes, the rooster said Gesundheit. <laughs> Lucy, this situation isn't as amusing as you think it is. If you had the sense to see it, you'd know that our marriage is teetering on the edge of a cliff while you're trying to be funny. I guess our marriage doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe you have no sentiment left for me. Look at this on the table. A letter I wrote you from Florida. You didn't even open it. Oh, I, I'm sure you wrote the letter, darling. But are you sure you mailed it? Wasn't it some friend of yours in Miami? What are you talking about? Darling, I don't like to be unpleasant, but you weren't in Florida. Don't change the subject, at least not in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't in Florida and you weren't in Montreal that time you said you were going there. Once you even had the letters mailed from the wrong place. Dear Lucy, Charleston is such a quaint city. If you were in Charleston, how come you mailed this letter from Perth Amboy, New Jersey? Well, I always take a walk before breakfast. <laughs> but you can't justify your behavior by insinuating things about me. But I haven't any behavior to justify. I've just been unlucky, that's all. You came home and caught me in the truth, and, well, it seems there's nothing less logical than the truth. Oh, a philosopher, eh? You don't believe me? How can I believe you? Listen, Jerry, don't you see that there can't be any doubt in marriage? The whole thing is built on faith and... Well, if you've lost that, you've lost everything. Yeah, and I suppose when that's gone, the marriage is washed up, isn't it? You mean that? Sure. Well, I guess that settles it. I guess it does. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't go on living with you if you were dipped in platinum. So go on. Divorce me. You're no bargain even if I did meet you in a dollar day. Divorce you? Are you crazy? You think I want people to think you preferred that, that eight-bar rest to me? All right, then, I'll divorce you. That's customary anyway. It has something to do with the husband being a gentleman. Never mind the gentleman stuff. Just get going on Fine, it. Fine, I'll call a lawyer right away. And, uh, by the way, darling, what's the most convenient day for you to be divorced? And in the case of Warner versus Warner, the court grants an interlocutory decree of divorce to the plaintiff, Lucy Warner... Divorce, if not further contested, will become final in 90 days from this date. That'll be all. One moment, Your Honor. There's one matter still unsettled. According to my client, Mr. Warner, it's the matter of... It's uh... the matter of Mr. Smith. Yes, Your Honor, Mr. Smith. And who is Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith is, uh, uh... He's their dog. Mr. Smith is my dog. He's mine. He is not. Silence! But Mr. Smith belongs to me and she's got him. I told you to keep quiet. Oh, ignore him, Your Honor. I told you he was impossible to get along with. Don't listen to Mrs. Warner. The dog is mine. I bought a license for each of them. Quiet! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, he's mine. Let's have the facts now. The animal at present is in Mrs. Warner's possession. Mr. Warner wishes to have him because... Uh... Because he's mine. He is not. He is so. He is not. He is so. He is not. 
This seems to be a custody case. In custody cases, we frequently permit the final decision to rest with the, uh, <clears throat> the dog. Yeah, but suppose he wants to live with both of us. Which end will I get? As if I didn't know. Silence! <laughs> Bailiff, have the dog brought in. The custody of the dog will depend upon his own desires. And let me warn you, neither of you must use any false means of influencing the animal's decision. Unfasten the dog, please. Now, you may each call the dog. Come on, fellas. Come on, Mr. Come Stanton. to me. Come to Mama. I'm taking over a can of dog food. Come, come to Papa. Come to Mama. Here's here. Mama, boy. Never mind, Mama. Come to Papa. Here. Come back here. Come back here, Smith. Now, you know who's good for you, don't you? Mr. Smith came to me, Your Honor. Custody of the dog is awarded to Mrs. Warner. What? Wait a minute. Silence. I object. That dog is you. He's suffering from amnesia. Silence. Court is adjourned. Good day, Your Honor. You. Wait a minute. Come back here, you. You mean me? Yeah, what's that Mr. Smith has in his mouth? Why, it looks like a rubber bone, doesn't it? Well, it ain't no upper plate. <laughs> Where'd he get it? I, uh, always knew it was his favorite bone. Where'd he get it? Well, how would I know? You'd stooped anything. You had that bone under your handbag. Mr. Smith smelled it and came in on the beam. You think you're gonna get him away from him like me like that? Get him? I've got him, darling. Bye. <laughs> Look at that rain. Why, Aunt Patsy? Is it doing anything besides falling? I don't think so. Nothing unusual ever happens around here. If I'd known we were going to be buried side by side, I'd never have consented to take an apartment with you. But I needed you, Aunt Patsy. You know the period of readjustment that comes in the wake of a divorce. Readjustment my foot. That's just another word for moping around. Oh, don't be silly, Patsy. Why, you know dozens of men who turn handsprings at the chance to take you out. But no... You'd rather sit around and readjust yourself. Oh, you're just an old grouch, that's all. Yeah, well, this old grouch wants to go somewhere where there's life. And I don't mean plant life. Well, we can't go out without escorts, so that's that. Lucy, I don't need an escort to go down to the lobby. I'm going down to the newsstand and see Joe. He may be funny looking, but he's a man. Maybe he knocks off early. Pat, you wouldn't. I wouldn't, eh? <laughs> You're talking to a desperate woman. Well, I guess I've read pretty nearly everything here, Joe. Oh, gee, I'm sorry, ma'am. Hmm, and I'm so bored. It's too bad they stopped printing zippy stories. Yes, ma'am, that's what my wife says. Oh, there I... Well, that settles that. Pardon me, but did that copy come in of the Tulsa, Oklahoma bugle? Sorry, Sorry, Mr. Leeson. I guess maybe there's something wrong with the mail. Oh, that's too bad. Shucks. Looks like I won't find out how we did at the Rodeo. Oh, how do, ma'am? Oh, how do you do? <laughs> Hope you don't think I'm fresh, ma'am. My name's Dan Leeson, room 1214. Me and Mama see you coming in and going out sometimes. Oh, we've noticed you, too. No fooling. <laughs> well, say, who's that beautiful girl who's with you sometimes? She has a dog, and, well, she's beautiful. That's my niece, Lucy. She's just a little homebody. No. Say, I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Why, of course I would, Mr. Leeson. What is it? Well, I'm a stranger in town, and me and my ma don't know any folks. Right in, Mr. Leeson. Thanks very much. I think it's just wonderful that we met this way. Oh, uh, Lucy, may I present Mr. Leeson? Mr. Mr. Uh... Leeson, this is my niece you were so anxious to meet. Her name is uh, Lucy Warrener. How do you do? 
How do you do, ma'am? Mr. Leeson's from Oklahoma, Lucy. And he'd take it as being right neighborly of us if we'd show him some of the bright spots. Well, it's, it's raining rather hard. Uh, Mr. I... Leeson lives right across the hall with his mother. Uh, isn't that what you said with your mother? Yeah, with my ma. We're here on a visit. I got 30 oil wells out near Tulsa. Mmm, how lubricating. <laughs> Please, uh, tell us about Oklahoma, Miss Leeson. Well, we all think Oklahoma's pretty darn swell. We think... Oh, there's the door. I'll get it. Yes, Miss Leeson? Like I was saying, Oklahoma is pretty darn swell. Hello, Aunt Patsy. Oh, Jerry. Well, how's the old girl? Still hitting the adrenaline? <laughs> Tell me, how you stand in the rainy weather? Uh-huh, we never let an occasional drip bother us come right in. Well, <laughs> uh, thanks, Patsy. Where's Lucy? Oh, you've got company, huh? Well, well, hello, Lucy. Hello, uh, what do you want? Well, just read this little legal document. I guess it'll explain things better than I could. What's this? It's a writ, that's what it is. The court just ruled that I'm allowed to borrow my dog any time I want. It's sort of a Lend-Leash bill. <laughs> The order reads that I can visit with him and entertain him in any form or manner that does not endanger life or limb. Oh, so now I suppose you've come to take him bicycling. No, I've tried that. His paws don't reach the pedals. <laughs> hey, Smitty, where are you? Where are you, Smitty? Come to Papa, Smitty. I'll go get him for you. Miss Warner, maybe I'd better leave. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Leeson. This, uh, this is my husband. Oh, I mean... Oh! <laughs> well, he's only my husband for... How much longer is it? Uh, Sixty days. Uh, Fifty-nine. How are you, Mr. Leeson? Howdy. I'm glad to know you. Excuse me, what'd you say? I said I'm glad to know you. Well, how can you be glad to know me? I, I know how I'd feel if I was sitting with a girl and her husband walked in. I'll bet you do. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Anyway, I'm glad to see you, Mr. Leeson. You known Lucy very long? Lucy? Yeah, Lucy, my wife. Well, no. As a matter of fact, I'm a stranger here. I'm from Oklahoma. No. That's right. <laughs> I'm an oil... What's that? I said, I'm in oil. <laughs> oh, marinated, eh? Well, <laughs> I thought so. Jerry. Uh, Jerry, uh, why don't you go play with the dog? Oh, sure. Where is he? Hey, Mr. Smith. See his master's voice. Gee, old fella, it's good to see you. Oh, stop licking his face, Jerry. <laughs> Look what I brought you, your old leather strap. Come on, old fella, let's have a tug of war. You were telling us about Oklahoma, Mr. Atta Leeson. Boy, atta boy. Well, I'm really a man of many interests out there, Mrs. Warner. Oil is my main business, of course, and I can't complain about that. It's treated me fine. Then I have a big ranch, more of a hobby. The ranch, Jerry! Oh, how did that happen? It was Smitty. He was playing yo-yo with a cat. Well, how could that possibly be? Long tail. Please go on. Well, uh, this ranch is just outside of Tulsa. I have just about everything there. Good heavens. Jerry, did you drop your teeth again? No, do I have to play that game? No, any other ones? Yes, get his rubber bone for him. He loves that bone. Yeah, I remember. Where is it? In the closet right there. In here? That's right. I can't find it. Just keep looking. Hey, what is this? You locked the door on me. Hey, let me out. Aunt Patsy, what are you doing? Lucy, dear, why don't you run along with Mr. Leeson? Patsy, let me out of here. I'm locked in. Say, is anything wrong? Oh, no. That's just a game Mr. Warner has with the dog. Oh. <laughs> I want to get out of here. Oh, dear. Come on, Mr. Leeson. Let's go. Well. Good night. 
Honey, I hope you know what you're doing. Good night, dear. Good night. Night. I'll break the door down if you don't let me out of here. I'll... Just a minute. Just a minute. Come out, Jerry. Oh, frame. That's what I am. Frame. Where'd she go? Who? I know what's going on, Patsy. You're trying to cook up something between my wife and that marinated herring. And it ain't chowder. Your wife? She's still my wife for 60 days. 59. All right, 59, but she's still my wife. Do you understand? And what are you going to do about it? You'll find out what I'm going to do. Stick around and watch. I've got some rights around here. Of course, Jerry. To entertain Mr. Smith in any form or manner. Boy, they sure misnamed you Patsy. They should have called you Potsy. <laughs> Just a moment, Mr. DeMille and our stars, Bob Hope, Constance Bennett, and Ralph Bellamy, will bring us Act Two of The Awful Truth. Meantime, let's reenact a little scene that took place in a big office just after lunch the other day. Hello, Sue. Well, what's got you looking so starry-eyed? Boyfriend, take you to lunch? Mabel, who do you think was in the elevator when I went down to lunch? Madeline Carroll. Really? No kidding. I heard she was in town, Matt. I was standing right next to her. She got on at the eighth floor with a couple of very important-looking men. And, Mabel, she was dressed just as plain as you or I. I mean, she had on a tailored suit and a little felt hat. Oh, but, Mabel, I'm telling you, she certainly has got glamour. Is she as good-looking right close as she is on the screen? I got a wonderful chance to see standing so close. Real blonde hair, big blue eyes, and, Mabel, what a complexion. Smooth, and I mean smooth. Mabel... You know what I'm going to do tonight on the way home? What? Get some Lux soap. Madeline Carroll always uses it, you know. And from now on, I'm not missing a single day on my Lux soap care. And I don't mean maybe. Smart young Sue. It's a fact, you know, that Madeline Carroll, like nine out of ten other Hollywood stars, cares for that exquisite complexion of hers with regular use of gentle white Lux toilet soap. In her own words, this is what she says. Complexion beauty should be cherished. I've found the right care for my skin. Active lather facials with Lux soap really work for me. And if you were to ask Madeline Carroll how to take a Lux soap active lather facial, here's what she'd tell you. Pat the Lux soap lather lightly into your skin. Rinse with warm water, then with cool. Pat dry with a soft towel. Now see how fresh your skin looks. There is a simple, inexpensive beauty routine any woman can follow and right in her own home. It takes just a few minutes, you know. So why don't you try these Lux soap facials for 30 days? Just see if this gentle care doesn't leave your skin feeling smoother, softer. Remember, a soap used by famous screen stars, the world's loveliest women, just has to be something special. So get three cakes of Lux toilet soap tomorrow. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act two of The Awful Truth, starring Bob Hope as Jerry Warner. Constance Bennett as Lucy, and Ralph Bellamy as Dan. It's morning, a few weeks after Jerry's hectic visit. Across the breakfast table in their lonely apartment, Aunt Patsy's looking at her niece with an expression of growing horror. What did you say, Lucy? I said, of course I like Dan Leeson. Why shouldn't I? He's sweet and thoughtful. Well, you should be the last one to object. You introduced me to him, after all. Only because he was a man who could take us out. I didn't expect you to get silly about him. Is it silly to like a man who's sane and considerate? I was married to one of those gay romantic types, and one is enough. Your toast is burning. Lucy, 
Do you know what rebound is? That business of trying to get over one love affair by bouncing into love with somebody else? It's fine, except the rebound is rarely the real thing. There's the first bounce, the second bounce, and... Well, look at me. You wind up like an old tennis ball. I tell you, I'm serious about Dan Leeson. He's a fine person. I like him very much. And I'm all through with Jerry. He doesn't mean a thing to me, not a thing. I don't love him, and what's more, I probably never did. I guess that surprises you, doesn't it? I hate Jerry Warner. And I like Dan Leeson very, very much. I can hardly wait to see him tonight, and I hope he's just as mad about me because I think he's the finest man I've ever met. Lucy! I know. My toast is burning. Honest to goodness, Mr. Warner, I think it's simply wonderful of you all to come here just to hear me sing. Yes, I could listen to you sing till the cows come home. What time do they usually get here? <laughs> oh, Mr. Warner, you're awful sweet and all that, but you always seem to have your mind on something else. Or maybe it's someone else. Am I right, sugar pie? Yes, I'm in love with love. In the spring, a young man's fancy lightly turns to what he's been thinking about all winter. <laughs> How long have you been talking like Amos and Andy? <laughs> oh, a long time. It helps me in my work. Well, shut my mouth. You shut it. You're nearer to it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Warner, who's that gorgeous creature just coming in? Where? Oh, that creature. Well... You've heard that gag that's flying around town. Who was that lady I saw you with? Oh, you mean that's no lady? That's your wife? Uh-huh. That's my wife. I guess this is our table over here, Lucy. Sit down. Come on over and meet my better half before the odds drop. <laughs> hello, folks. Oh, hello. Uh, this is Miss Dixie Bell Lee. This is Mrs. Warner, and this is Mr. Leeson from Tulsa. Flowing gold, Leeson. He's a big oil man. Oh, an oil man. Crude. I wouldn't know. Ask my wife. <laughs> I'm proud to meet y'all. Now, you're sure we're not intruding? Huh? Well, what, what do you mean? Well, wouldn't you like us to have a drink? Why? Thanks, you... Dan. I will. Why, yes, of course. Well, sit down, Dixie. Well, now, isn't this cozy? So you two are going to be married, eh, Lucy? Well, I always approve of marriage. I think it's a wonderful way to spend a few weeks. And I was glad when I heard about it. I said to myself, that Leeson's just the man for Lucy. And then I said to myself, you're nuts. Oh, pay no attention to him. He's always talking to himself. Um, this is a charming place, don't you think, Miss... Uh, Dixie Bell Lee. Uh, do you like it, honey? I'm so glad, because I kind of feel the place is mine. Oh, do you come here often? Oh, I work here. Didn't you all know that? No. Say, you're from the South, aren't you? Now, isn't he just the cleverest yet? How'd you all ever guess that, Mr. Man? Oh, he's pretty fast in his feet, this fellow. But you see, folks, Dixie Bell Lee isn't her real name. No? No, no, she changed it because her family objected to her going into show business. You see, it was quite a shock to them because they made all their money tilting pinball machines. <laughs> Isn't that right, Dixie? Well, that's right. Well, I guess I better go now and get into my costume. Uh, reckon y'all can stay to see my ass? Of course we'll stay. Nothing could drag us away. Well, see you later, sugar pie. I'll be here, sponge cake. <laughs> uh, she, she seems like quite a nice girl, Jim. Oh, she is. But wait till you hear her sing, A Golden Throat. That's what I keep coming here all the time just to listen to her. How faithful of you. Does she really sing? awful good? Well, I don't think her singing's up to Lucy's, but Dixie has a sort of elfin charm, a je ne sais quoi, if you know what I mean, and I don't. Um, Dan, dear, don't, don't you think you ought to ask Jerry about it now? About what? About our mine, Jerry. What mine? Our mine, you know, our coal mine. It's our last tie, Jerry, and, well, I was telling Mr. Leeson how badly it was doing, and he thought maybe he could do better with it. That's right. I, I'd like to gamble on it, Mr. Warner. I'm pretty lucky. Know what they call me out west? Yeah, is that why you came east? 
Say, how about us having a conference in my apartment tomorrow? Well, I, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's with great pleasure that I present that great little artist, Miss Dixie Belly. Give her a there she comes. Isn't she pretty? She sure is. The uh, costume's a little short, isn't it? Yeah, it's a southern costume, sort of a lily cup with a bustle. Listen to this. This is great. Oh, Maxwell, praise up the honey. it down. Yahoo! Sure, not bad, eh? Say, she'd go break in Oklahoma. Swing it, miss! Yippee! Dan, I don't feel very well. Well, what's the trouble, Lucy? Dan, uh, take me home. But, Lucy, we can't walk out in the middle of Miss Lee's singing. Don't you like her, Lucy? No, I just love her. I can see where it was a lot easier for her to change her name than for her whole family to change theirs. Come on, Dan. Well, if you want to, Lucy... Don't forget tomorrow afternoon to my father, Mr. Warren, about those mines. I always wanted to be a miner. I'll be there, Brother Miner. Keep a light burning in your hat. I want to hear all about this mine. Well, I've got all the records and history with me. By the way, Lucy, I searched all over for the report McCall made before we bought it, but I couldn't find it. You must have it. Oh, perhaps I have. Well, when you get a chance, take a look through your stocking drawer. You know, Dan, she always hides important things in the top drawer of her dresser. <laughs> she does? Oh, sure. That's an old habit of hers. Every, every legal paper we ever had smelled of sachet. Even our marriage certificate smelled. <laughs> Jerry, about the mine. Oh, yes, the mine. Now, here's the prospectus. Good afternoon. Oh, come on in, Ma. Come in. Hello, Mrs. Leeson. Good afternoon, Lucy. Guess you don't know this fella here. He's Jerry Warner, Ma. Hello. Warner? Uh, you mean that, uh, that, that he is... Yes, uh... that's right, Ma. He's the one. Well, <laughs> very funny seeing you here, Mr. Warrener. Is it? Well, it's funny seeing you anywhere. <laughs> I met some people today, and they spoke about you and uh, about Lucy. They knew you both before the divorce. Oh, I imagine you'll run into scads of people who did. They spoke very well of you, Mr. Warner. They said you were a real gentleman. <laughs> well, you can't please everybody. <laughs> they talked about Lucy, too. Ah, oh, it's good not to be forgotten by your old friends. You know, Lucy, as many times as I've heard your fine singing, I never realized that you must have had a teacher. <laughs> they tell me he's been uh, teaching you for some time, and uh, he's a very romantic type. <laughs> the woman I was talking to told me that... Uh, Oh, well, no matter. What's that? Uh, now, look at this map, Lisa, and you see there's a new opening in the northern side. Here, I'll show you the prospectus. Jerry, now... I think I ought to tell you that nobody's listening to you. Well, for me, that's a large audience. But what could possibly be more interesting than the war in her mind? The war in a divorce. The gal's name needs clearing, partner. That's ridiculous. Is it really? Mrs. Leeson, our divorce was one of those tragedies you read about in the newspapers. A trusting woman and a worthless man. Lucy is above suspicion and always has been. She is as pure as the driven snow and as faithful as she is fair. I tell you, something wonderful went out of my life when I lost her. It's an awful feeling. It's like not being home when the pot of gold calls. Why? <laughs> I know just how you feel, Mr. Warner. How do you know? How can you know how I feel to have used up the best years of a woman's life? Well, folks, that's the way it goes. I'll be leaving now. 
Excuse me, ma'am. You're sitting on my prospectus. Huh? Oh, sorry. I'll be going now. I'll... Take good care of her, Dan, won't you? I'm sure you'll be happy out where the West begins, all three of you. <laughs> Goodbye now, and give my regards to the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Lucy? Yes? Lucy, this is Jerry. I've got to see you tonight. I'm sorry, Jerry. Listen, Lucy, it's important. We've had enough of this foolishness. I want to talk things over. Oh, you do? Well, not tonight, Jerry. I'm going to a recital at uh, Armand Laval. Well, I do... What? Oh, Laval again, eh? Well, you're not going. I'm sorry, Jerry. Listen, you're still my wife. If I find you with that Laval bird, I'll tear him limb from limb. Do you hear? I hear. Goodbye, Jerry. I'm late for the recital already. Hello, hello, hello. Operator, return my slug. Oh, good evening. Good evening. I want to see Mr. Armand Lavelle. Oh, I'm sorry. Recital going on. Is my wife in there? Oh, plenty of people. I don't know. Well, let me go see. Oh, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. You cannot go in. Listen, who are you to tell me where I can go? I'm Mr. Laval, Filipino boy. Yeah, we'll stand back. No, 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 I'll stop you. Oh, you will, eh? How? Oh, uh, so. You go push past me, I take your hand like this. Yeah, and then what? I go like this. Oh! Well, don't stand there. Look around for my right leg. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I not mean to hurt. Listen, I'm going in there, see? I know a few jujitsu tricks of my own. Oh, that's so? Yeah. I put my hand like this, see? And then I do like this. No, 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 no. Like this, much better. Oh! <laughs> you see, I win again. Yeah, well, you haven't seen the last of me. I'll be back and give you what you deserve. As soon as I can get my hip back inside my skin. All I want to know is what has Armand Laval got to do with this? Why is he coming here? Because I sent for him. You said that. I still say Why? You ruined your last happy home. You'll bust the Oklahoma deal wide open. That's just it. There isn't going to be any Oklahoma deal. Huh? I'm not going to marry Dan Leeson. Why not? Because I'm... I'm still in love with that crazy lunatic, Jerry Warren, and there's nothing I can do about it. There's... I'm a chippering idiot. I'm a mad woman. Patsy, stop it. There he is now. Oh, good evening, Armor. Good evening, Lucy. I got your call. What is the trouble? Look, Armor. Sit down. It's about Jerry. Ah, yes, your husband. He's a very funny man, yes? Yes, he is. But I'm convinced he still cares about me, or he wouldn't do the funny things he does. Yes, but he does not care much about me. No, no, he doesn't. And that's just what I'm getting at. You know everything was all right that night. I want you to convince him that everything was just as we said it was. I would be glad to. Does he carry a gun? You're not afraid of him. Oh, of course not, but you know husbands. Then, then you'll do it as soon as possible, won't you? And uh, he mustn't know that I've had anything to do with it. Very well. As soon as possible? Open up. It's my day to see Mr. Smith. It's Jerry. Oh, but this is much too soon. Yes, isn't it? Well, I'll do something. Oh, what shall I do? Well, you just can't stand there. Go on in the other room. Hurry, and, and don't come out. Oh, I do not care for this. Oh, let him in, Aunt Patsy. Oh, dear. You said it. Greetings, Patsy. Oh, uh... <laughs> hello. Uh, hello, Lucy. Uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, nothing. Well, I uh, guess you two want to be alone. No, Patsy. I'll whip up a little omelet in the kitchen. <laughs> Smart girl, your Aunt Patsy. I did want to be alone. Oh, yes? Well, look, Lucy, let's get right down to it. I've been a sap. Have you? I just said so. 
About this whole business, I got so jealous that, well, I, I saw red. But it's all blue now. Get it? Black and blue, isn't it? Yeah. Lucy, I want to apologize. I know that Sap Luval couldn't have meant anything to you. Guys like him just make me murderous. I just... Well, I just want to say I'm sorry for everything. Oh, yes? And uh, what about this Barbara Vance girl you've been running around with? Huh? That's society, Blue Blood. The morning paper said you were going to marry her. Oh, that's nothing a misprint, you see. Never she... mind explaining. Let's meet later and talk it over. Goodbye, Jerry. Yeah, but I just... Here's your hat. Goodbye, Jerry. Yeah, but I'll I... will call you later. Goodbye. Say, are you trying to get rid of me? Of course not. Why should I try to get rid of you? Here's your hat. My hat? That isn't my hat. Oh, no. Isn't it? No, look. Comes down over my ears. Well, isn't that funny? Uh, did you get a haircut, maybe? Not since I came in here. But I think I'm getting a clipping now. <laughs> Take a look at it. Doesn't it look funny to you? It does look a little roomy, but uh, maybe they're wearing them that way this year. No, I don't think so. Not as big as this. My chin is resting on the sweatband. <laughs> Aunt Patsy, the bell. All right. Look, if you've got company... Oh, I... it's nobody. Just Dan Leeson, probably. Leeson? Well, I don't want him to see me here. I've caused you enough trouble. I'll just duck in the other room. No, no, Jerry. Oh, but I want you to be happy, Lucy. I'll wait in there till I've gone. Jerry, listen, wait. Oh. Uh... Hello, Miss Adams. It's Mr. Leeson and his mother, Lucy. Hello, Lucy. Lucy, uh, dear, I've come to tell you something. Oh, uh, hello, hello. We've come to tell you, Lucy. Yes, well, well, what have you come to tell me? I want to apologize for those awful things I accused you of, Lucy. Yes, go on. Look, what's that? I uh, think somebody's cleaning up in the other room. Lucy, I, I don't want you to be angry with me for repeating what that awful woman said about your divorce. No, oh, well, of course not. I, I'm not. What nonsense. What? Is that? Let me alone. Don't kill me. I'll break your neck. I'll tear you apart. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. You hide her behind closed doors. I'll break every bone in your body. Don't forget to touch second, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Who who is that? Is that... Is that Mr. Warner? Yes, he he just dropped in. Dan? Dan, I think we'd better go. Two men hiding in the other room. Just a minute. Well, Mrs. Warner, I guess a man's best friend is his mother. I certainly learned about women from you. Come on, Ma. Wait a minute. You can't fire us. We quit. I'll teach you, you little mouse. No, let me go. Jerry, let him alone. Stand still and fight. Be careful now. Jerry, stop it. You break her up of homes, I'll kill you. Let's go. Jerry. I'm going to teach you once and for all. I'm sorry to do this, Mr. Warner. You're sorry to do what, you little rat? This. Oh! My Filipino boy taught me jujitsu. Madame Mazanga told me there'd be nights like this. <laughs> After a short intermission, Mr. DeMille and our stars, Bob Hope, Constance Bennett, and Ralph Delamere, will bring you Act Three of The Awful Truth. rises on the third act of The Awful Truth. Two weeks have gone by, and the divorce is almost final. Jerry is now determined to marry the society heiress, and Lucy is just as determined to prevent it. 
In Jerry's apartment, she stands facing him, smiling coyly. Hello, Jerry. Hello. What do you want here? Well, I I just thought I'd... You know what today is, don't you? Certainly. Our divorce becomes final at 12 o'clock, and tomorrow we'll both be back in circulation. That's right. So, so I just thought I'd drop up to wish you a lot of luck. Well, that's very nice of you, but I'm just on my way out. Where to? Well, if you must know, I'm on my way out to a pre-engagement dinner for me and Barbara at the Vance's. Jerry, you can't. Why not? I'm hungry. <laughs> you can't because you love me. Of course I loved you. I said love, not loved. Oh, you're so stubborn. You're throwing away our happiness. Barbara's a fine girl. We'll get along swell together. But that isn't necessarily happiness, Jerry. You and I fight and we disagree on every subject under the sun, but we were happy. I was happy with you, yes, but Armand and I are incompatible. <laughs> Jerry, for heaven's sake, you can't go through with this. You'll be miserable. Oh, you dope. Why can't you understand? Will you please stop, Lucy? Where's your Dan Leeson? Why don't you go back to that fugitive from Boomtown? I'll take it. Oh, no, you won't. This is my house, and get out of the booth. I've got it. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello. Well, who is this, may I ask? Give me that phone. Jerry, I, I think it's what's-her-name. Hello? Hello? You have to answer my telephone? I only said hello. Shut up. Now, what am I going to tell her? Tell her Tell her to call you back. Yeah. Oh, shut up. Hello? Hello, darling? Well, it took you long enough. Have you made up your mind who the woman is? Oh, that's very funny. I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, so did I. Who was she? Oh, it's really very simple. That was my, uh, uh my sister. Really? I didn't know you had a sister. If I could only be drafted right this minute. <laughs> oh, sure, honey. She just got back from Chicago, dropped in to see me, you know. How sisterly. Oh, I'd love to meet your sister, Jerry. Why don't you bring her along tonight? Oh, no, I don't think she can come over this evening. She has a previous engagement. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, naturally, she's very anxious to meet you, too, dear. Yes, tell her I'd love to meet her. Tell her to wear boxing gloves. Shut up. Barbara, I'll do my best to fix it up so the two of you'll meet very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Hurry over. I will. Now I'm in a fine fix. She wants to meet my sister. Well? You're a big help. If I had a sister like you, I'd have my parents get an injunction. Well, you know me. Anything I can do. Yeah, to break it up? I see what you mean. I'm in a fine mess. Oh, I wouldn't worry about it, Jerry. She trusts you, doesn't she? Of course she does. Sure, sure. But she'll learn. Just give her time. Sit down, my boy, sit down Oh, thanks, Mr. Vance It's too bad your sister couldn't come tonight, Jerry Oh, yes, she was terribly sorry, Mrs. Vance You see, she, uh, she didn't weather the boat trip very well Boat trip? I thought you said she just came from Chicago uh, Yeah, the hard way, I mean <laughs> Well, you can imagine my surprise when I heard a woman's voice on the phone well, you can't blame me for being suspicious, Jerry, darling. Oh, I certainly. I mean, of course not. I was thinking, dear mother, don't you think it would be nice if I asked Jerry's sister to be a bridesmaid? Oh, lovely. Well, I, I think she's sailing back to Chicago right away. <laughs> uh, you'd like my sister, though, Barbara. She's very much your type. Where did she go to school? Well, she, she did what? <laughs> I said, where did she go to school? Oh, in Switzerland. Oh. And you say your father was a Princeton man. Oh, uh, that's right. Class of 92. Uh, he tells some very funny stories about the place in those days, too. He, he tells one in particular about a football game. It seems Yale was playing Princeton one day, and... I beg your pardon, Mrs. Vance. Yes, Edwards? Mr. Jerry's sister has arrived. Huh? Miss Lulu Warrener. Hello. Well, I made it, Jerry, dear. Surprised. 
You maniac. What'd you say, dear? Oh, I just asked how you were feeling. Oh, fine, fine. I'm feeling fine. Uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Vance, may I present my sister, uh, Lulu? <coughs> and what a Lulu. <laughs> uh, how do you do? It's so lovely to know you, Mrs. Vincy. Vance, dear, Vance. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, Barbara, this is Lulu. How do you do? How do you do? You know, it's nice getting a chance to meet you, too. Uh, I seen your pictures in the paper, and I wondered what you really looked like. Well, I've wondered about you, too. Thank you. Say, uh, did I interrupt something? Well, I was telling a story about my, uh, about Dad. Uh, oh, you mean Pop. Well, go right ahead, dear. Oh, thanks. You see, Mr. Vance, it was Yale's ball on Prince's two-yard line. Oh, Mrs. Vance, and... I don't like to appear rude, but I wonder if I could have a teeny-weeny little drinky. I had three or four before I got here, but they're beginning to wear off, and you know how that is. Now, wait a minute. Now, don't you look at me like that, Jerry. You know perfectly well that you like a little drink now and then yourself. We call him Jerry the Nipper. He likes to sneak them when nobody's looking. He's awful cute about it, too. I've seen him go along all evening just as if he didn't have a thing to drink and all of a sudden fall flat on his puss. <laughs> Sherry for Miss Warrener, please. Yeah, and come back dancing, Eddie. <laughs> Say, I, I'm sorry to barge in on you like this, honey. What were you saying? Oh, well, I was just telling them one of Father's stories. Oh, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, I've cleaned it up. But you see, there was... A... <laughs> there was a minute to go. Dad had the ball. Ball? What ball? The football. Now, what in the world was Dad ever doing with a football? Well, I, I, I was just telling a story about when Father was at Princeton. You remember that? Oh, gee, of course I remember. Pop loved Princeton. He was there nearly 20 years. If ever a man loved the place, he just did. He adored it. And he sure kept it looking beautiful, too. <laughs> You've seen the grounds, of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm afraid that my sister has a distorted sense of humor. So have I. You just told us your father played for Princeton. Well, you see... Jerry, did you say that? Listen, you... <laughs> well, I guess that's just one of Jerry's stories again. You see, when Jerry and I was kids, we was the worst liars in the neighborhood. We always used to pretend we had rich relatives who were going to die and leave us dough. But I guess it was harmless enough. Everybody knew we was just sort of kidding ourselves. Uh, yeah, let her ramble. My folks were worried about her. At the age of five, she didn't have a forehead. <laughs> now, me, you take me, I'm different. It ain't money that counts with me, or position in life. It's art. All the time I was working at the Virginia Club, I thought You that... worked at the Virginia Club? Sure. Didn't Jerry tell you? No, he didn't. No, that's one thing I forgot. You're a singer, Miss Warrena? Sure, I sing. Well, perhaps you'd sing for us now. Sure I would. You own a piano? Right there. Oh, thanks. Where do you put the nickel in? And you know, when I was... <laughs> Say, wait a minute. Don't nobody leave this room. I lost my purse. <laughs> There's your purse, Miss Warrener, on the chair. Oh, boy, am I relieved. Jerry, kind of keep an eye out on my purse for me, will you? This woman is positively crude. Yeah, that's what I've been talking... Oh, she is, huh? She's crude, huh? Well, maybe it runs in the family. Mr. Warrener. Why, Jerry, what a thing to say. Now, look, sis, we don't have to put on the dog around here. Just be yourself. We're among friends, ain't we? Jerry, what is this? Come on, sis. Let's do that number for him like old times, eh? Do you sing, too? Sure. We used to be in vaudeville together ever since we were kids. Vaudeville? Well, we had to have food, Mr. Vance, and in vaudeville, they threw it at us. <laughs> you remember, sis, when Pop went to prison that time? Mr. Warner. Jerry! You mean the first time he went to prison, Jerry, huh? No, I mean the time he went to visit Mom. <laughs> But it was no disgrace. She was innocent. I don't believe she ever stuck up that grocery store at all. Of course she didn't. She was innocent. Sure, and so was Grandma. <laughs> Grandma? Yeah, but her record was against her, and they hung her for a spike. Jerry, perhaps you'd better leave. Oh, not until we do our numbers. Swing it, Lucy. 
This'll kill you, folks. I think I've heard enough, Barbara. And so have I. You may leave, Mr. Warrener. Funny thing, they said that in every town we play at home. Fine family they must come from. How did I know? Oh, get out. We're leaving. Come on, Lulu. This is our exit. to me? No. That's better. It's wonderful of you to drive me up to Aunt Patsy's cabin after all I've done. I, I'm afraid I caused you a little trouble, didn't I? A little trouble? Tell me, of the seven plagues, what number are you? <laughs> Jerry, I, I'm sorry. I... Oh, shut up. I'm delivering you over to your Aunt Patsy and then I'm leaving for good. I don't blame you, darling. I really don't. leave now, Jerry. I want to see you safely in the door where you can get out of my hair and into your aunt's. If she hasn't hung it up for the night. <laughs> Mrs. Warner. Hello, Ed. I, I wasn't expecting anybody tonight. Uh, well, will you tell Aunt Patsy I'm here? Why, she ain't here, Mrs. Warner. She ain't been here for weeks. Oh, I get it. Another one of your little tricks, eh? You thought you could get me up here on a cold night and ply me with a hot fireplace. <laughs> well, it won't work. I'm going back to town. I'm going alone. Good night and goodbye. Goodbye, Jerry. Be careful driving, dear. Hey! What's the matter? The keys to the car. Where are they? What? The keys to the car. The ignition key. Where is it? I don't know. Did you have it when you came? How do you think I drove? You think I got galley slaves in the fan belt? <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, Lucy... You took that key and I want it back. I haven't got it. You have so got it. Oh, poor darling. I guess you're stuck here all night. Isn't it a shame? Oh, it's so nice sitting here. Just the way it was when we came here on our honeymoon. Sitting here in front of the fire. The fire's going out. You better throw on some more furniture. <laughs> It won't be long now. It's quarter past eleven. Forty-five minutes and you'll never have to listen to me again. Just, just forty-five teeny minutes. Funny, isn't it, Jerry? Well, it wasn't my fault. I only... I'll keep quiet. Forty-five little minutes. You'll be happy, I expect. All this that happened tonight will be forgotten. I'll, I'll tell Barbara Vance myself that it was all a joke. And that I want you to be very, very happy. Well, it's... It's only 30 minutes now, Jerry. Lucy, listen. I... What, Jerry? Nothing. Oh. And you must never think of me. Never let me spoil your happiness, Jerry. I'll, I'll get along all right. Just, just be happy, darling. I'll get along all right. No one will ever know that. Oh, but I shouldn't say these things, should I, Jerry? But, 
I'll get along all right. Wait a minute. Listen. Yes? Listen, Lucy. What? Listen, it's all off. I'm not going to go through with it. I don't care whether you love me or not. You're married to me and you're going to stay married. Do you hear? Yes. Call the caretaker. No, I'll call him myself. Ed! Ed, come in here right away. Anything wrong, folks? Listen, you're a witness. See, the divorce is off. Huh? Oh, Jay. We're calling it off on account of darkness. But exactly 30 seconds before 12 o'clock, we call off the divorce. Can you remember that and swear to it? You betcha. And you're pleased? You betcha. All right, then, get out. You betcha. And stop ad-libbing. <laughs> Jay. Oh, Lucy. Oh, Jerry, listen. 12 o'clock. Wedding bells, darling. And every second that passes, I love you twice as much. Say it, Jerry. I love you, Lucy. I love you, Jerry. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Constance Bennett calls on you. The American Broadcasting Company brings you another in a popular series of programs in which Constance Bennett calls on you. Constance Bennett calls on you each Monday through Friday at this same time to talk over things that interest her and things that interest you. And they're pretty apt to turn out to be the same. For while Constance Bennett is a moving picture and stage star, it is not her idea to devote her time to motion picture gossip. As a Hollywood personality, some facts about Hollywood will enter naturally into her conversation with you. But she's just as interested in families, friends, world events, books, home, new hats, Funny little things that happen to her and to you. The thousands of things that you care about, that she cares about. And so now, Constance Bennett calls on you. You know, Miss Bennett, since we're going to broadcast each day from dressing room K, all the time you're making Centennial Summer for 20th Century Fox, it seems like it'd be a good idea to describe your dressing room to the radio audience. I know I was surprised when I entered and found it so attractive. Why, it's just like a, a lovely apartment. Ah, <laughs> but Bob, there's a reason for that. When a picture's being made, an actress spends many hours in her dressing room. It should be as comfortable as possible, and of course it helps to have it attractive to the eye. Yes, I can see that. It has to be your home almost, doesn't it? Yes, almost is right. Take, for instance, yesterday. My call was for 11 o'clock. Oh, but that doesn't mean I came here at 11. I had to be here at 8.30 for an 11 o'clock call. Mm. First of all, I had to have my makeup put on. Then my hairdress. And, of course, getting into my costumes takes quite a bit of time. After 11, we had a three-hour wait for the sun because it was an exterior that we were shooting. And we had a three-hour wait before we could start shooting. So you see, Bob, dressing room K is going to be rather like my home for at least eight weeks or until the picture's finished anyway. <laughs> Do you always have an 11 o'clock call, Miss Beach? Oh, no, I'm not always that lucky. Sometimes I have a 9 o'clock call, and that means I must get up at 5.30 and be here in my dressing room at 6.30. Oh, well, Miss B, just one more question before you start describing said dressing room. Why are you so completely surrounded by flowers today? Aren't they lovely, Bob? Beautiful. <laughs> All my flowers arrived yesterday. You see, it was my first official day on the set, and it's just like the opening of a first night in the theater. You always receive beautiful bouquets and telegrams wishing you well. Oh, the long-stem American Beauty roses look especially beautiful there by the window. They do, don't they, Bob? Then that powder blue vase over there is most attractive with the Lady Vandal roses and blue delphinium. But my favorite is that teeny little basket over there with the garden flowers. When I arrived home last night, Linda and Jill were waiting for me with the basket of flowers. You see, Linda has her own little flower garden, and these were the first blooms. But attached to the basket with a little note reading, Good luck to our mummy. Love from Jill and Linda. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Believe me, I was pretty proud this morning when I left home with a little basket of flowers. And the children fairly beamed as they saw me off, clutching their gift. <laughs> I know just how you feel, Miss B. Mm-hmm. But, Alton, let's hear you describe the dressing room. This building is made up of nothing but dressing rooms, isn't it? Yes, there are two floors of them in this particular building. Of course, dressing rooms are scattered all over the lot. But I like my dressing room, Kay, especially well. It's so bright and cheery. When you enter the living room, you sort of, well, feel gay at the colorful atmosphere. The walls are white, while the carpeting is a rose beige. On the outside wall, there's an enormous window from the ceiling to the floor. Fresh white curtains hang the full length, while the draperies of a, are of American Beauty and blue. The valance across the top of the window is American Beauty, and down the sides are tiers, each about a yard in length. The first tier is powder blue, the second American Beauty, and alternating so on down to the floor. To the right, as you enter the door, is a lovely modern classic desk of pickled fruit wood. The turquoise mare chair with the same wood trim stands at one end of the desk, while on the other is a comfortable tufted back overstuffed chair in a deeper shade of blue. Across from the desk is a long divan, which matches this chair. Above the divan, evenly spaced, are three turquoise prints with the modern classic pictures in shades of soft lavender, coral, and gray. Flanking the divan are two modern classic end tables of the same pickled fruit wood. On them are lamps with American beauty and white shades. The bases are cylindrical and are made of china with soft roses painted on them. A low-glass coffee table stands in front of the lounge while another soft turquoise armchair is cornered to face it. The dressing room is a much larger room, however. It has the same white walls and the same rose-beige carpeting, but, on the, but in the center of the room is a large American beauty rose throw rug. To the right, as you enter the dressing room door, is a large chest of drawers of the pickled fruit wood. Across from this chest is another window from the ceiling to the floor, with the same tiered draperies in American beauty and blue. In one corner stands a rose satin-covered band-back chair, and next to it is my dressing table. The mirror is lighted with soft amber bulbs and bordered with three tubes of fluorescent coal light. The wall across from the dressing table is completely mirrored in doors opening into clothes closets. By these doors is a chaise long of blue with rose piping. Two other powder blue chairs and a couple of straight chairs with turquoise seat coverings complete this room. Now, see what I mean when I say it's a most attractive room? Uh-huh. And one in which I wouldn't mind spending more time. <laughs> but it's time to describe what you're wearing today, Miss B. All right. Let's see. Miss B is wearing a beautiful house coat today. And you know what? It goes right in with the American beauty rose and blue decorations. Well, Bob, I didn't think of that when I dressed this morning, but I guess you're right. Of course I'm right, you see. It's a wonderful shade of blue, very tailored with the collar and cuffs bound with an American beauty rose cord. Now, Miss B is wearing a deeper blue shade of mules. But even in this outfit, I notice Miss B has her gold mesh bag right by her side on the table. Oh, Bob, you're <laughs> I'm dressed this way because I've just had my makeup put on. And now I'm waiting for my costume. But I thought I'd better do my broadcast before I put on my costume. Remember what we said about my not being able to breathe? <laughs> I know, Miss B, but I just had to tell the truth. Which reminds me, I, I like the way you're wearing your hair today, too. Uh, Miss B has her hair... Uh, turn on and let me see. Yes, it's parted all the way down the back with braids cut up on each side. Uh, her bangs are attractively curled across her forehead, and she's wearing a smart little bow of blue and rose on the left braid. Did you have a difficult time tying that bow, Miss B? Miss B seems your favorite expression for me today, Robert. <laughs> no, it's a bow tied right on a small comb. You see, there are so many combs that sort of do things for the new hairdos. Uh, there are the lovely sequin ones, also those with feathers for evening wear. Then there are the bows for daytime wear. 
I also have another way of decorating my hair by taking round ball buttons, fastening them to hairpins, and arranging them in groups of three or four. Rhinestone buttons are especially attractive fixed in this way. But you can also take clips and fasten them to cones. I think I've spent enough time, though, talking about different ways of dressing hair, so I'll just say, now, Mr. Announcer, it's your turn. You know, I'm not going to talk about hairdos. I don't think it's my type of thing to talk about, but I, <laughs> I certainly do like being out here. It's just like being in a little town. Several little towns, Robert. For each set that you see standing is usually another town or village. And they look quite real, too, don't they? I say they do. They, they fool you when you're walking around out here. I, well, I was surprised to, to find out they have a complete nursery here, too. Whenever they need trees or plants or flowers, they just call the nursery and get whatever they need. That's right. It's really rather simple. Of course, they usually mix fresh flowers with artificial ones. It makes them appear more real, and they stay fresher looking longer. The other day, I walked through the prop room, too. Actually, I'm sure you could find anything and everything you needed. Well, that's what the property room's for, Bob. But you'd be amazed at how often they have to scout around for things, even with all they have. It isn't enough when they're doing period pictures, especially. I'd like to bring the children out here, but I, I guess they're too small to realize just what's happening. Uh, do you ever bring Jill and Linda over here? No, Bob. I don't think it's good for them to be cooped up on the set. Sometimes when I have a late call and it doesn't interfere with school, they drive up to the entrance of the studio with me, though. Uh, just wait till they see you in the movies. Boy, what a thrill they will get. But I suppose it's better to wait until they grow older. I'm sure it is if you say so. Here once again is Constance Bennett. Now that we've been given our second big chance at peace, a chance we can't afford to take lightly this time, I think we should all work at making peace work. We've heard and read and realized that to know our allies, we must learn their customs, their way of life. But there's more to it than just knowing them. We must also help them, show them that we can be trusted. There's no better way of warding off future wars than to be friendly with our foreign friends. Teach them that we're ready to help them. In this way, we'll be creating a band of loyalty across the waters that will remain unbroken through the years. Here in the United States, we were fortunate. Our homeland wasn't invaded. True, we had rationing, we did without many things, but we weren't destitute for clothing, for shoes, for warmth, and for food. We weren't forced from our homes in the dead of night to take to the woods like wild animals. Here, although we were worried and had heartaches, we knew we'd have a roof over our head on the morrow. But not so over there. Even in peace across the waters, many are still going without. And it'll be some time before the manufacturing, the farming, and the rebuilding will get underway. Until that time, when all nations are on their feet again, we can help. We personally can't go over there and help rebuild their war-torn cities, but we can see that they're properly clothed this winter. With sister and brother going back to college, with all of us getting ready for fall house cleaning, it seems to me a pretty good time to take inventory of our clothes, dresses, suits, coats, and shoes. I'll venture to say almost all of us have friends and relatives overseas. If we haven't, we know someone who has. Many of our friends aren't used to asking for old clothes. They're reluctant to say, What do you do with your old clothes, Mary? If you just throw them away, I'd like to send them to some cousins of mine in France. They're reluctant to say, While my husband was stationed in England, he lived with an English family. They were wonderful people. They always made him feel right at home. They shared the little they had with him and never complained. Now they need clothing, especially for the children. They're too proud to admit it, but I was just thinking, if you throw your old clothing away, I, I'd like to have it to send to them. Would you give it to me? Well, I feel that we're all willing to give, but many of us haven't thought too much about the need. To us, our clothes that 
we're ready to throw away seem too old, too out of style, or, or too worn to be of any use to anyone else. But that isn't true. In the countries where war has been going on for ten years, you'd be surprised how women have learned to repair clothing, how they've mended and mended and then mended the mending. Almost every community here has an old storeroom of some sort of place where clothing for foreign countries is being collected. But if your community hasn't one, why don't you ask your friends if they know anyone who's sending clothing over there? And then kill two birds with one stone. Clean your closets, sort your clothes, and get rid of the ones that are just hanging. While admit it's hard to part with some things, even though you haven't worn them for many years, there's a certain sentiment attached to the fact that they're, well, just there. But think how much good a dress or a coat or a suit could do if it were shipped overseas. There's something else that we should all ship overseas. Our Christmas packages for our servicemen and girls. The other day I heard two women discussing Christmas and what it would mean this year to them. One said, Well, thank goodness I don't have to take the time or make the effort to send any packages overseas this year. My children are all back. They'll be home for Christmas. One of the other women said, Bob, my eldest son just got back, and do you know what he wanted me to do? He said, Gee, Mom, you'll never know how much your Christmas box meant to me and some of the other fellows last Christmas. I'm home this year, but lots of the fellows aren't. Why don't you fix the same kind of box and send it over anyway to some other soldier? This woman continued, I told him nothing doing. I'll go through the torture of shipping for my own children, but for heaven's sake, don't expect me to do it for someone else. Well, I know if that mother had thought for a moment... She wouldn't have made that statement. For mothers the world over are born to do things for others. This conversation helped me to realize that there will be boys over there who may not have been receiving letters, hadn't been getting boxes of any kind. And when Christmas comes around, they'll be pretty lonely. I hope this year every one of us will remember to remember someone still over there. Whether we know them or not, I think it'll be fun to sort of adopt a soldier for Christmas. And now, Mr. Announcer, it's your turn. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but it would be fun to pack a box and send it over to some stranger. Think of the way he'll look when he receives it. Yes. And it'll be one way of showing our appreciation for all they've done for us. Oh, that they'd like candy and nuts and, oh, just everything that goes to make up a good Christmas. I know I want to get a lot of things for the children, especially the baby. Now, she's a bit too young to understand Christmas this year, Bob, but you can still have fun getting things for her. Oh, sure. Dolls and candy and everything little girls like. Well, I wouldn't advise the candy. I'm afraid she might like it if she got her hands <laughs> on it. And candy isn't good for little girls, you know that. No, I guess not. But you have to understand, Miss Dee, Priscilla isn't like the average baby. She's smarter and more alert, and oh, she's so different in a million ways. I, I don't think she even compares. She's so far as that. There you go again, Bob. Give you half a chance, and you go on and on and on about Priscilla, but I don't blame you. Well, friends, it's time for us to go now, but listen in again tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, when over most of these same stations, Constance Bennett calls on you, talking over the things you've asked her to discuss. This is Bob Latting speaking. This is the American Broadcasting Company. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, 
Be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.